You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we're going to be talking about With the Beatles by the Beatles. In the room, I have Rob, John, yeah. Sean, Hi. and Ben. Hey. With the Beatles is the second album by the English rock band The Beatles. It was released on the 22nd of November, 1963. It was produced by George Martin. The genre is rock and roll, pop, and British beat. After building their reputation playing clubs in Liverpool and Hamburg over a three-year period spanning from 1960 to 1963, the Beatles were on the brink of what would soon become Beatlemania. Four months after their debut album, Please Please Me, and three months before the Ed Sullivan Show, the album With the Beatles shows the groups develop in style and sound while keeping the familiar blend of Motown, girl group, R&B, pop, and rock and roll. With the group's energy, vocal harmonies, and tight arrangements, the album always feels alive and fresh. With the Beatles remained at the top of the UK charts for 21 weeks, deplacing Please Please Me so that the Beatles occupied the top spot for 51 consecutive weeks. Wow. What do we think of With the Beatles? I dare you to hate it. I dare anyone to hate it. How about if Double I dog dare me? How about if I hit a couple Double pieces dog dare on it? Yeah, just, a couple, yeah. just a couple touches. I'll back you up, man. Yeah, I'd... I'd yeah, that, I would dare anybody else to hate, to hate this album. Anybody want to? I, I don't hate all of it. I think That's it comes fun. it comes out of the gate. It won't be long, which I had never heard before. I think it's fucking great. Uh, yeah. A lot of call and response, and just fast and fun. Um, I thought that uh, all I've got to do is interesting because it's the only egalitarian boning song I've ever heard. Because he's like. All I've got to do is talk to you in your ear and you're going to totally kiss me and make out because I'm that good. But then I'm totally going to do you too if you call me. <laughs> like, so it's, it's an interesting <laughs> counterplay that he's that quick to come back with. Well, if you if you call me, I'll do the same. But uh, I, I hadn't heard that before in a song. But then there's other songs where I think it's just kind of awful. Um, like what? Don't Bother Me is four white guys doing Chuck Berry badly. Uh, little Child just doesn't play... Uh, Till There Was You, their cover has fucking bongos. Uh, Thanks, Ringo. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think it was fine. I mean, I just I had some serious problems with uh, Little Child and and the bongos on yeah, Till There Little Was Child. You. Can we talk about that? Yeah, Little Child is is quite a weak uh, song on this album. I felt like also just gross. Like it's just a gross song a little bit. I see where they're trying to go with like maybe that like Little Richard style of Little Child, but they're not Little Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, does it project an image that yeah, makes you uncomfortable? Just, okay. Like, you know, I know they were like, you know, popular with the teens and it offended some parents and I get that like parents are afraid of things. But if I was a dad and I heard little child, I'd be like, my daughter is never going to listen to this ever again. Like, it's a terrifying song. Hmm. What know. I'm interested in is when they realized that 
selling offense, like sell, selling. It, it's so non-offensive, like not not in not in any sort of context that we can really conceptualize. But when they found out that you can make little girls just freak the fuck out and make such a spectacle that the parents are upset that it even sells more. Yeah. I, was this the first case of like, oh shit, we, we, we've hit pay dirt. Like this, uh, they are so non-offensively offensive that I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm my, the, oh God, it's am a, I, is this it's a strong? Am I having a strong? <laughs> it's the first. Call a ambulance. It's the first group, I would say Elvis, definitely. Yeah, yeah Elvis was a single artist. He, yeah. I mean, when he showed up and shake, shook his hips, but did, I mean, girls were losing Did their Elvis minds. ride that? Like, be, uh, yeah, yeah, offensively to, unoffensive? Yeah. But, but to, to my knowledge, Beatlemania was a completely separate thing. Like, it, it was, sure. it was the, uh, the, you know, the push of the British invasion, if you will, with yeah. music. But they were the first ones that, I, to, to my understanding, that like, oh shit, we can sell way more records because this is a controversial and the fucking girls are freaking the fuck out. I don't think they were the first to use Rebellion to sell records. And you were talking about, uh, sorry, I didn't okay. mean to cut you off. You were talking about writing that. To put it in perspective, the Beatles were highly prolific. They were only a band for seven years. And in, in the, so they went from being... You know this this clean cut pop group to being like the the concert on the roof Beatles and everything in between in seven years. So to say they they rode the teeny bopper thing. Well, perhaps the Stones rode the bopper thing because the Beatles like put it there first. Um, and you know I I, I, would, I would my counterpoint to oh yeah there was a lot that happened in seven years maybe they should have taken a little more time to to comb it out. <laughs> I think I think by. By Revolver, they're definitely not catering to teeny boppers anymore. Like, that's like a much more mature artistic sound, and that's that's, th- yeah. and that's just a few years and, away. And, 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 and uh, I, I guess I misspoke on that. What I know of the British invasion was that these. Kids with their hair that's mostly almost in their eyeballs. Oh my God! <laughs> here's here's what I I see. I see. It's sort of the same scenario of of uh, Elvis, where they see this music, they think rock and roll is cool. They're young kids, and the promoters are doing a lot of that, making them mysterious. I mean, to their credit, you know, they were very, uh, very funny and very charismatic as a group um, when they got interviewed and things, but. They, first and foremost, I think, were musicians that just really loved this music and wanted to play music, and that just kind of came along with it. You know, they were, I don't, I wouldn't even say they're the most attractive uh, guys, but somehow the marketing making them this band, I think withholding it from the American audiences, we have a different perspective too, because they had already released two albums by the time we got the first album, you know? And so it's, mm-hmm. it was almost one of these things where, wow, there's this band that, you know, we didn't have the internet that that day. And so everyone's hearing about this band and these, these local kids who are, you know, tearing it up, you know, the same way that Elvis was over here. And it, it just kind of exudes this sort of a mysterious energy. Mm-hmm. And then they show up and I think they, you know, kind of, bring it in in a rock band uh setting and everyone loses their mind well by the time they by the time they showed up on ed sullivan it was like the the pump was prime exactly uh, people had already 
decided that they were going to do this and were and and forgive my uh, my my ignorance on this were tours at this point in time were they still being stacked like twenty deep? You'd come out, play your hit, and get the fuck off the stage, or were the Beatles coming through and like playing more than three songs, like and no, then running out. They're playing more than three songs, okay. for sure. It was a it was a two or three. Their their first U.S. tour, uh, the direct support was Jackie DeShannon. And then they may have had, like, a local opener, but I think it was, like, a three-band bill. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, they already paid their dues, too, in Hamburg. Yeah. Like, doing that whole thing, like... Yeah, they had been playing the cool, clubs and everything. It's a cool everything. story. Like, to, to not only get out of your hometown, but, like, <clears throat> to get out of your home country. Just go to, like, just go to Germany. Just the four of you guys. Find a residency. Just play there every night until you've just got all the kinks worked out. Get everything tight. And then, and then just show up out of nowhere of like a fully formed tour de force. You know, it's a, it's a. Their chemistry was insane. It's a cool. Thing. And then while I'm away, I'll ride home every day, and I'll send all my loving to you. All my loving. I, I had never listened to this record before, and it it, it it's just like candy for the ears. Um, yeah, uh, n- nothing about this like bummed me out. Nothing really challenged me though. Yeah. Um. So I I I'm, I'm confused as to where I lie on it. I would I would if I could. You sure. say Nothing really challenged you. I think uh, especially the covers on this album are not challenging. They're they're just. Well, like, they're either covers of girl group songs, or they're really just straightforward pop. Which is kind of rad in its own mm, way that they're mm -hmm. taking girl group uh, tunes and then applying it to the rock and roll that they were trying to, like, put forward. I I, I kind of admire that a little bit. Mm -hmm. The fucking GI radio absolutely, like, just fucking infected these kids. Yeah. uh, But I'd say, like, some of the self-written songs, some of the original songs, especially like the first two, like It Won't Be Long and All I've Got to Do, compared to the really basic like 12-bar, three-chord, straightforward rock and roll that was that preceded this, th- those songs are, the melodies and the chord progressions are borderline progressive. You know, like there's actually interesting things happening musically in those songs, which... To someone who's only listened to like uh, you know like Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly and Bill Haley and Little Richard, as awesome as that stuff is, to to all of a sudden have someone that's like playing like six or seven chords per song with like bridges and and like just all these different parts, it it must have it it must have been like a, I don't know I can't put myself in those shoes but it must have been really cool to to hear that even if you didn't know what you were hearing you know yeah. I think that's the part I struggled with is it's like kind of really hard to bring yourself back to that time and imagine you'd never heard all like the millions of songs that followed this by so many other artists. Like the, the debt that Power Pop owes to the Beatles is insane. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And I love Power Pop and I, I used to love the Beatles when I was a kid and now not as much because it feels tired. But 
when that was new, I can't imagine just like the mind blowing experience that must have been to hear like Paul McCartney screaming, you know, mm -hmm. like. Yeah, I, I felt that same way. I, I had to listen to this album more, you know, old, older Beatles in, in a while. And man, it won't be long. Like the way it kicks off is it almost feels like punk, you know, yeah, like yeah. these guys have energy and they're bringing everything full force. And I feel like it almost never slows down, even till there was you. I mean, it, it's more of a, a soft song, but it, it keeps the energy like the mm -hmm. whole album puts you in this energetic place that uh, albums like uh, Here's Little Richard did where you're just feeling it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it might not have the technicality sometime or the recording quality, but I think their energy just just pushes it over the top. Oh. And they're so the, the close harmonies, you know, what they're bringing to the table, so good. I, I would never say this is not an energetic record. Yeah, this is absolutely like I mean, energetic. And, and and John Lennon, like when he's yelling, is yeah, it absolutely like it's like holy. Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can imagine cool, like dudes. the sound of girls screaming over the entire thing too if you want. Like you can just put a mix it in your head. You know, it's like <laughs> there's a just a wall of scream over the whole thing. As much as you could uh really deftly argue that Beatles music is timeless and for all ages, I think that Beatles, especially early Beatles, I think like the perfect age to listen to it is like thirteen, fourteen. Yes. It was the age like it was like when I was like thirteen, is when the, the Beatles anthology TV uh, like uh, miniseries was aired, and that was my introduction to them. And it was just like I was like in the perfect position, like maturity wise, puberty wise, sick of my parents' music, but did, I didn't have any older siblings, <laughs> so I didn't really know like what. So to I go. listened to my parents' music before. <laughs> but, well, no, well, screw my, you, Dad. No, my, like my parents at <laughs> the time were listening to Randy Travis, you know, like who great voice. But I, I, I'd grown up just listening to whatever my parents had on, which was mainstream country, and I was just, I was, I didn't even know how ready I was just to discover something, and I just happened to be the same age when I first like really got into the Beatles as like their their original fan base when they did, and it was it, it was just like like a spark hitting gunpowder. Uh, the Beatles were my introduction my introduction to popular music, which then just like. It just like dominoes, like, oh, you like the Beatles? Here's the Rolling Stones. You like the Rolling Stones? Yeah. Here's the Kinks. You like the Kinks? Here's the Ramones. Yeah. You know? I would say the Beatles are probably, is anybody in this room, ha hasn't been developed by the Beatles in some fashion? I mean... I mean, I, I, I have not... Like, one of my friends in high school tried to get me into the Magical Mystery Tour. Like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck this band. Yeah, but you can't let someone else pick your Beatles No, face. that's not the right entrance. Oh, of, co of course it wasn't. <laughs> of, of course it wasn't. So, and, I, you know, I've, God damn it. Like, I, 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 I've held a grudge against the Beatles. Not because of that, but, like, it, they, they are the, a Beatles fan or a Beatles fanatic. I guess yeah. is the worst kind of fa fan. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. at the same time, on the other hand, a person who dislikes the Beatles fucking sucks. <laughs> but the person so, that dislikes the Beatles is just a contrarian. Mm, uh, maybe and maybe not. He says contrarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I, I understand that in the middle lies this, you know, Apparently, seven years of incredible shit, 
but god damn it if I don't fucking hate being told that I should like the Beatles. <laughs> like, it, it instinctively, like, I fucking pump the brakes, and I'm like, go fuck yourself, <laughs> give me the stones any day of the week, you suck. But who was better? So I guess I should say, let's not get too uh, far off topic, because we're going to have... Oh, we're going to have, like, a thousand Beatles, Beatles records. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so their, their, their later stuff we can we can talk about, but let's let's kind of stay focused to with the Beatles. No, this, um, this is fucking ear candy. It's, it's non-offensive, again, like, coming from, you know, the thousands of bands I've listened to who are influenced by the Beatles, I don't find this challenging. However, I can absolutely see what you were, your point of like, oh shit, they're using more than five or six chords, and that's been my, sh that, that's been my big problem with Roots Rock, and the revival in and of itself, is that it's just going back to the one four one four five four one like, you know, trope, and it's boring, mm -hmm. and I was I wasn't challenged. I was never bored. It was peppy, and it—I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's a—it's a good record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's—it's it's right up there with that sort of Buddy Holly. I mean, they're very inspired by Buddy Holly. The way it, the stops when they come in, the harmonies, all that kind of thing. Everly Brothers and all those bands. The Crickets. Uh huh. In, I, heard, I heard a lot of Everly Brothers in uh, track twelve, "Devil in Your Heart." Just mm -hmm. like the the harmonies right yep. off the get go. Yep. Absolutely. Devil in your heart, they didn't write. <clears throat> it didn't. Drapkin. Um, drapkin. I did want to oh, bring drapkin. it back. You were the mentioning... Uh, the, you know Aster Drapkin? <laughs> you were talking oh. about the Rolling Stones before. Uh, the song we're listening to now, I Want to Be Your Man, was initially given to the Rolling Stones, uh, written by the Beatles, um, with Ringo as the lead vocalist, which is <laughs> kind of hilarious. But the... Um, He's the lead vocalist, John, but they're all singing. Exactly. It's just like, his voice is uh, slightly higher in the mix, I think but it's just gay vocals. He's just yelling, he's just yelling yeah. louder. I don't think he makes him <laughs> That makes you the lead, right? Yeah. I, yes, uh, yes. But it said that uh, John and Paul literally finished writing the song in front of Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, and, uh, you know, they, they embarked on their own original material, you know, kind of saying, well, these guys are writing their stuff, let's write mm -hmm. ours too, which I thought was kind of cool to... To hear that, you know, the, the way that plays off and their their interconnection there. Was this mostly live recorded or, uh, like, I, I know we'll get into the, the later Beatles stuff, but, like, was it two-track, four-track, they were bouncing back and forth, back and forth to do the original mono? Like, yeah, how, how many takes were... I think it was four-track, at least some of it. I think it was still four-tracks, yeah. Okay. And this was recorded over a couple different... Um, sessions? Like sessions, yeah. Months. Yeah, it was also... It, this was recorded... Seven sessions, actually. This was recorded four months after their first album was recorded, which gives you a clue as just how fucking prolific... Oh, shit, yeah, were. They, they, they were fucking the worker bees. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the uh, how iconic the album cover is? Sure, because sure. it is. Yeah, and it almost didn't fly. The label, uh, the label wasn't gonna uh, pass it because they weren't smiling. <laughs> I, I do like that for arrangement. They're like, well, we can't fit four heads right. across it the way we Sorry, shot. Let's just stick Ringo in the bottom because <laughs> he's the shortest. The uh, the, 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 the photographer that uh, that shot it, uh, Robert it, Freeman. Yeah, fashion photographer. Mm -hmm. His own words, when he was asked about that, he said, uh, well, yeah, I put Ringo down there because he joined the band last, and he's the shortest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think originally they wanted to do it uh, no label, just full bleed. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, they wanted like no no title, just edge to edge yeah. photo. Yeah, yeah. the label here. wouldn't do it, and then a few months later, uh, Stone's debut came out, and that one did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Boseman. Wait, wait, hey, 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 Mr. Boseman. Mr. Boseman, look and see. Oh yeah. Back for me, please, Mr. Boseman. Oh yeah. There must be some modern day here for my girlfriend. It defies my expectations of how little I care about the Beatles, um, and yeah, like I, it, the 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 fact, and again going back to it, like them taking girl group material and like recontextualizing it to like what they were doing, like it, it's fucking awesome, man. Like that, that's very, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I um, would I would say that roll the rollover Beethoven mm-hmm. uh, version is is very weak though. Oh, very <laughs> much. A lot of their covers are pretty pretty sad. Well, Beethoven did he actually just laid down again. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he shifted in his grave, adjusted the pillow, I do like and went a to bed. Step aside, Beethoven. I like Please, Mr. Postman, though. You like yeah. your Please, Mr. Postman? I do. I thought I that did. was okay. Is it and because I thought Please, that... Mr. Postman is such a good song? No, right. actually, I think it's a ridiculous song. <laughs> it is not the Postman's fault that this guy doesn't like you. I guess. Yeah, I don't. He's I not always looked writing at it, you. I always looked at it as like a Santa Claus kind of thing. Like, I can't wait till Christmas to get the presents, so the Postman's gonna have to bring some good news. Even though he has no active control over it. I do enjoy the Beatles. Well, I enjoy the song, but not because it's a strong, like, not because it moves me as a song. It's it's a silly song about a nonsense thing. The harmonies between Paul and John, fucking tight. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. really good. My um, my one issue, though, is, like, as listening to this a few times, it sounds a little homogenous, which, like, maybe that expectation is set by like their later records which are totally disjointed because they're all basically having their own individual band in one record but you know like song song I was like oh it's been three songs and I just kind of spaced out because they their sound is very specific sure but it's the same. but they're hitting the notes and that, that, that that's the thing that I I was very impressed with uh, this record and they are taking some chances here like uh, don't bother me which I think is Harrison's first yeah. song I don't think it's a good song. I don't I do. think he did a good I like job it. with it. I like that song. I like it a lot. But I think that I like they it better tried. Than, I like so. it better than Do You Want to Know a Secret? Yeah, I like <laughs> I like that Harrison song because it sounds a little like discordant. Yeah, it's like off. it it yeah. goes a little different than than you're kind of expecting in in one of these one of these bands. And I I like Till There Was You. I mean, I'm I'm you kind enjoy of a the sucker. Mongos? I'm a, kind of a sucker for his his voice and the melody and just the way they're presenting it. It's definitely a record too that they're pulling in their influences and saying these are our influences, but guess what? Half, you know, a lot of this material was ours and we came up with it and it sounds like, you know, a lot of different people like Little Richard and Arthur Alexander and all these other, you know, soul R&B rock and roll people, but at the same time they they got the chemistry. They got they got it. 
and wasn't till there was you wasn't that originally in like the music band is yes. that what? yes so they yeah so they're they're taking a song from arguably one of the hokiest musicals right and they're putting it in the middle of a rock and roll record and it and it it might be one of the the lesser strong songs on the album but it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb i don't no. think I no i think it flows paul's voice was nice on it i just Hate the fucking bongos. <laughs> Why do you hate the bongos? Because they don't need to be there. The, dong, the, bongos, the dongos. The dongos always need to be there. It's like you know what you know what the people that like us like. They like bongos. Let's put some bongos in because they like bongos. So you're saying like if if you went to a recording studio and they had some bongos. Well, there. he was on the bossa nova craze. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the bossa nova craze. Okay, well, it's it was not violent. His, it's not his fault. You know, from a week yeah. ago. Yeah. One thing that I think's actually kind of weird, and one of the things I like less about the album is the sequencing. There's there's eight original songs on the record. There's seven covers, but they put like four or five of those covers all in a row right in the middle. So yeah. like it starts out really strong, and then it finishes strong, and in the middle, it's just like it kind of lags where all these mm-hmm. covers in a row are. I think they could have peppered it with maybe one or two of their more interesting original songs just to, to break that streak up a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it would have flowed better. It's true. It flows okay, though, uh, maybe when you think about the side flip, too, the that's, side B. That's a good point. So, well, and I think the U.S. release, they split them, didn't they? Yeah, for uh, Meet the Beatles was the U.S. release, which... Uh, Meet the Beatles had the originals, and uh, Beatles' second album had the covers. Yeah, yeah. and it ha- yeah, exactly. So it had all the originals. So the U.S. audience actually got probably one of the best because they got all, you know, a bunch of originals from the Beatles, and they kind of stuck the... But, you know, it was at the time where they were like, these guys are hot, get them <laughs> off the presses! Um, spe- so speaking much of... So- Oh, are you going to talk about the Australian album cover? No, no, that that's a good one too, though. Uh, the LP had advance orders of half a million, oh, and sold it. and sold another half million by September 1965. And the population was only what, like one billion <laughs> on, on Earth? Yeah, <laughs> yeah at the time. Uh, it, it it was the uh, wrong. it was the second <laughs> album to sell a million copies in the UK after the soundtrack uh, to South Pacific. Mm. You know what it was uh, behind in the United States? It was uh, Harry Belafonte's Calypso. <laughs> but not Elvis's. But not Elvis. Elvis was it? Elvis is back? Elvis yeah. returns? Yeah. Back, baby! Elvis, Elvis is back. <laughs> the uh, Australian release, you're talking about like, like, gotta get these things to the presses! Yeah. Australian release hadn't yet received the album art, but I guess they had heard what it looked like. So they just made their own. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a black background, and it's got just the four black and white pictures of the Beatles' heads, but not these four that are like cast in like half shadow and somber. It's just like, <laughs> and then it's got like, yeah, like the fucking Three Stooges and, and the, Shemp, bud. Yeah, and then the font at the bottom is like laughing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> pink. Yeah, like just like pink laughing, like Fillmore West font. <laughs> yeah. And the Beatles didn't know. The Beatles didn't know until they toured Australia, and people were like bringing them copies of this to sign. <laughs> and they're like, "This is not okay." <laughs> A bootleg. Um, one thing, the Fab Four actually came from this album. Uh, Tony Barrow used the superlative, the fabulous foursome, and the media uh, adopted the oh, fab, nice. fab Four. 
from from this particular album. Uh, New New Musical Express wrote, "If there's a Beatle hater left in Britain, I doubt they'll remain unmoved after hearing with the Beatles. I'll even go as far, if it doesn't stay at the top of the NME LP chart for at least eight weeks, I'll walk up and down Liverpool's Lime Street carrying a I hate the Beatles sandwich board. <laughs> he didn't do it." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you uh, Beatles hater over there. Man, <laughs> that, that statement was made in it's 1964. Not, it's not Beatles hating, it's hating Beatles lovers telling me to love <laughs> the fucking fair. Beatles. No, I work with a guy who loves the Beatles. He's like, you know, a baby boomer, and his favorite song. Of course he is. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Sandals and socks, right? <laughs> Probably at home. Yeah, mm. he irons his jeans. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but, like, he thinks that she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the the peak of songwriting. Like he, mm. Yeah. Well, that's like just it's, wrong, though. I know, and I, mean, I, I just... Nostalgia is such a powerful thing. Yeah. And to... It, it just... You know, everyone who is a Beatles, you know, lover, when they first heard the Beatles or whatever, I think it it's reconfirmed with everyone because they are literally the biggest band ever. You know, there's not a bigger band than the Beatles. You know, I don't know if there can ever be a bigger band than the Beatles. That's actually a really good point, because when I think about, like, the Beatles songs I would choose to listen to just as individual tracks, not on an album. Like, it's songs like Helter Skelter and Oh Darling, like the ones where they're really shredding. And that really kind of aligns with my musical taste. I love to shred. <laughs> but, so, you know, you're right. Like, maybe he's really into just, like, very palatable, repetitive no one can really say a, a bad bad thing about them. They're a great band. They have good harmonies. Uh, you know, everything fits. It's all it's all tight. Also, I think their voices are very accessible. I was thinking that while listening to this. You know, like they don't have a. There's no one fucking shrill up top. Exactly. Or, it's yeah. not Queen. So you can sing along. I fucking love Queen. You stop it. Oh, I love Queen no, but too. He's talking about being accessible. But for accessibility. Yeah. Well, yeah. then people are dumb if they don't like Queen. <laughs> well, there's a, Maybe. I'm that guy now for it's, Queen. It's in people's range, you know, when sure. they want to sing along, when they, and it's, the songs, while they're a little more complex, they're e easier to play than, you know, some of those more yeah. advanced songs, some of the prog stuff. So it really falls into where everyone can appreciate the Beatles. You know, no matter your music taste, no matter your background, it all kind of fits together. And I guess coming from, after listening to this first time, you know, know the singles, I, I, I do know for a fact that this is a much, it, I, I, I respect what they did a little bit more this early uh, than I had given them much credence uh, in the past. So sure, yeah. there's that. I have a Beatles and development-related question to tie it all back together. So this was obviously music for teenagers, or at least that's who it landed on uh, back when it was created. And then, as we said earlier, like when we were pre-teens and teens, like the Beatles really clung to us. Do you think that we might be the last generation of people to cling to the Beatles? No, no? absolutely not. Do you think it's going to keep going? Yeah. Forever? Yeah. It's, it's classics, and classics it's, just keep coming around. It's just a question of who I, plays them for the it's, kids. I, I think it the their charisma and their energy transcend. I know because I the I mean I have a younger generation nieces and nephews and they love the Beatles. That's awesome. I wow, mean yeah. it's it's one of those things that like I was talking about before. I think it's a it, it's a very accessible. You can't put together no. uh, unless you have the right formula. 
I agree with that. I just wonder if they're more likely to get lost. In, like, when, when the anthologies came out, that was a huge deal, and they were on CD, you know, mm -hmm. and, like, you had to go buy them, and it was, like, part of the thing. It was, like, the whole process of obtaining them, you, you know. And now it's kind of like you just get stuff instantly. Yeah, I think that the album format maybe it will go away a little bit mm -hmm. um, until well, the, maybe it, somebody again the idea digs the, in. the idea of the album format hasn't even been like established in our uh, vernacular. We're on what number thirty five right now. Yep. Yeah, I mean the shit that I know of the Beatles from this time was based solely on the singles. Mm -hmm. You know, and then like I've just heard like the album, like oh, well, there's some there's some pretty cool bangers like hidden hidden in this, but like you know that I don't think that the idea of like an album format has I we're, we're back to a singles idea, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure that people are going to continue if oh if I'm really into this, let's see what the rest of the album sounds like, yeah. and then the um, the single will it be end up on the album in the place that it should be. Yep. Trends swing like a pendulum and come back around historically. Like right now, the focus is all on the single. Uh, the the generations coming up right now might not, might not like that. They're the uncool older folks that are right now the younger folks. Uh, like abandon the album format and might become important again to right. to have albums. You know? I really like the idea of the 37-year-old man who listened to the Beatles for the first time and goes to the concert where there's a bunch of 13 to 15-year-old <laughs> girls <laughs> shrieking. He's like, "Yeah, right? Right guys." Well, you know, I mean there's a local music writer that lives in this neighborhood and he had to do that for his job and he actually ended up getting really into it. Um you know Jeffrey Lee. Of course. Yes. Yeah. That was his job for so long. And like the way it changed how we listen to music was kind of obvious, you know, like he was going to Miley Cyrus concerts and finding the value in them and actually like, you know, writing about them for the newspaper. And it was just really nice to see. I, I know, know for a fact there's more value in what I heard in this record um, than I thought there would mm -hmm. have been. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to say I'm a Beatles convert, but I will say that uh, this was a... A, a pleasant listen with a couple of surprises for me. Yeah, I think this definitely deserves to be on the on the 1001 albums. Mm -hmm. I mean, just being a early Beatles and introduction second album, pretty pretty phenomenal um, album to be writing their own songs too. Let's not forget that. I mean, we we talked about Buddy Holly. <laughs> you know, I, I I I still hate that the that we're at just at this point where. Oh yeah, we're writing our own songs. Cool. I made a record yeah. and it's not all covers. Yeah. That's insane to me. And it's the and it's the Anderson four four. <laughs> <laughs> it's the band too, you know? Sure. It's, it's the idea of the rock band. Self-contained band. Exactly. I mean, the Fab Four, you know, it's all these individuals and they all have their sort of style and they bring it together and like thir and thirty and forty years after this, like the idea of like playing a bunch of covers and then recording that and putting it out is a fucking like oh that that doesn't work that doesn't fly yeah also, so no yeah pr pretty cool that you know they're they're putting their shit out there and eventually apparently it's from what i hear they wrote some pretty cool tunes <laughs> and it kind of taught us the buying power of young people and how that changed pop music you know like i think up to this point there was there were a lot of albums that were kind of more for adults having parties and you know usually play for your friends when you have a job and can buy records but this album is for young people. Yeah. And then going forward, a lot more albums were for young people because you realized, like, totally. you know, they may not have jobs, but they have 
<laughs> expendable Sweat. income. Yeah, exactly. And you know that yeah, summer jobs changed a lot of things about music. Yeah, how's everybody else feel about putting this on the list? Yeah. Good. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we all agree. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't, can't say that this is a thing you shouldn't listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and and I could probably say, <laughs> oh, in the thousand and one, sure there. There's some fucking bangers in here. Like there, there's some really good hits. I, I undeniable. Like the, the the power that this band at this age of like was was putting forward. So, sure. You heard it here, full. Fuck first. you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like saying it. <laughs> it bumps me out. It's gonna get better for you. No, it's not. I know. The sixties are gonna be real rough for Rob. Oh, we're getting into the Sonics, man. Yeah. All right. Next episode, we're going to talk about uh, Bob Dylan's "The Freewheeling Bob Dylan." Oh. Thanks, guys. Thank nice. you. There were bells on a hill, but I never heard them ringing. No, I never heard them at all till there was you. There were birds in the sky But I never saw them winging No, I never saw them at all Till there was you Then there was music And wonderful roses They'd tell me in sweet fragrant meadows of dawn there was love all around But I never heard it singing No, I never heard it at all Till...